0: Thanks for tuning in to the Running Related Podcast. We bring you conversations with creatives about their respective mediums and their relationship to recreational running. This podcast is sponsored by Attempt Running, an American-made Brooklyn-based running brand. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to the Running Related Podcast today. We're thrilled to be joined by our friend Tina Juan. an incredible food stylist. How are you? Are you relieved?
1: I am so pumped. I'm like super excited about our future.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it's gorgeous outside. I'm just waiting. Like part of me is just waiting to see what happens. Like, because everything feels so surreal right now. I know. You know, and it's like, we're celebrating, but there's still two months left. Right. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what is he going to do in the next two months? Like, is he going to ban being a woman? Like, what what crazy thing is going to happen? You know?
0: Yeah, I know. I think everyone's walking with a little trepidation because of how insane that man is. I know. Mm.
1: It's so crazy. It would
2: be a, a very different recording. If if he had if he had won, I think
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I think all of us would just be like, who who gives a shit about fucking run? Like I don't care.
1: Like what what like what even matters anymore? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think
0: yeah, I think that was the reason why I don't think I even like kind of finalized things with you until I mm-hmm. until I knew that he had won.
1: Right, right. I was like,
0: "Oh, I don't know. Maybe we should just kind of keep pushing it back." Because last election, uh, or last presidential election, I I made the mistake of well, my birthday was the day after the election last time, and I canceled everything. Uh, I was so bummed. Yeah, I mean, as everybody was, it was um, it was like,
2: yeah, it was terrible. Hmm it was a really bizarre day. I like vividly remember taking the subway from Bed-Stuy to the financial district. And, you know, in Bed-Stuy, obviously it's a predominantly black neighborhood and walking through that, like you just heard people saying like, what does this mean for me as like Mm -hmm. an African American in Bed-Stuy? Like, Mm -hmm. and I, I overheard this one um, older gentleman speaking to somebody else. And he was like, I'm not afraid what, he is going to do because he's out in the open about it. What I'm afraid of is the guy next to me that voted for him that kept himself in check all these years. And we saw that, we saw that happening. And, you know, just before this, uh, just before we started hitting record, Taylor and I were, were talking about it and it's, yeah, I think there's a lot of relief and elation that has gone on, but then also there's like, hold on, he got more than last time. Like, like, like there's a group, there's millions of people that were like, I wasn't so sure about him in the beginning, but I really like what he's done for me and my group of people that this is something I need to go out and, and do. So, I mean, yeah, again, if we would have won, sure. It would have been a very, very, very different uh, conversation. And again, I think, you know, we have to perhaps pat ourselves on the back, not myself included, I couldn't vote, but... He's a Canadian, by the way.
1: Oh, okay.
3: I'm a
2: Canadian, Yeah.
1: Well, you're lucky. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing too. Like, everybody was like messaging me after like I said I had to, I had to move, and they're like, "Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna miss all this. This is great." But you know, yesterday we got about probably fifteen inches of snow. And it's maybe 20 degrees mm. Fahrenheit here in Edmonton. And everybody's in short sleeves and t-shirts honking their horns and partying the streets. And I'm like, shit. I was like, I had to shut off my phone for a little bit because I was just getting super, super oh,
1: bummed. man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this whole thing, you know, you were talking about um, people deciding to re-vote for him. It hits too close to home because my parents voted for Trump. Oh, wow. So. Yeah. I mean, they live in Texas. So that's one, you know, Mm -hmm. count to sway that way. But they are also immigrants from Vietnam. And um, this year in particular, there's been a huge, huge issue with a lot of Biden propaganda in the Vietnamese communities. Hmm. And, um, basically what they fear with putting Biden into office is a put it's basically they're they're afraid of it turning into a communist party right and essentially that is what they feel like oh. brought the fall of Saigon mm-hmm. back like during the war like my they, they like compare it to this victory, they compared it to the fall of Saigon. And I'm like, uh, not quite, but you know, it's just like a different generation and it's a completely different experience from the way I grew up as a Vietnamese American living in the United States and developed, you know, my Western ways and my relationship with like Mm -hmm. the Western world. My parents moved here when they were much older. So in a way, even though we've spent the same amount of time here, they've never really westernized in the sense that they broke out of their Vietnamese community. So that's really dangerous, you know, just like that circulation of um, drive to just the echo chamber of like fake news. It's it's Mm -hmm. like really, really sad. And unfortunately as much as I tried to convince them otherwise it's um I didn't, I, I, I failed at that. <laughs> so there's a lot more work to do, but yeah.
2: But I mean, you yeah. know, they've, they've seen some shit. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, my dad's an immigrant from the Philippines and, yeah. you know, luckily he wasn't old enough to see what happened during world war two. He was born just, just after, but I'm sure, you know, his parents, if they saw that, Japan started rearming themselves. (laughs) I think my grandparents on my dad's side would be like, we've seen this before. It's not great. Let's not like, you know, if, if the, whatever, the Canadian government at the time was like, we're going to help rearm Japan. I'm pretty sure my grandparents on my dad's side would be like, let's not, let's not do that because it was really shitty for us.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, during world war II. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a certain level of, you kind of understand where they're coming from, but again, things are changing and
1: But but here's the other thing though. Like, okay, the past and kind of like the trauma, the PTSD of it rehappening or like history repeating itself in the way that they've experienced is it was one thing. But to me, it's not this what we're going through isn't really about just politics anymore. It's so much of like humanity on the line, as we saw that during, um, after George Floyd got killed and, and how, you know, Trump handled all that, it's, it, you, you stand for so much more than just a Republican these days when you vote for someone like Trump. It's not just you're voting Republican or you are a Republican through, you know bipartisan ways it's like what are your moral values here you know yeah it's it's much deeper than that and and it's i guess it's like really heartbreaking for me because they were also very against blm and Mm. didn't really understand that movement um my partner is a black man
2: oh no way
1: there's a lot of layers to why them voting Specifically for Trump and not just as a Republican,
2: Right.
3: They
1: bothered me. Oh, and it was their first time voting.
3: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Lots. Lots of. Uh, it's There's like a lot to unpack okay, there. Yeah. Like. I, yeah. Like. As much as I want to like celebrate, you know, our victory, a, a little part of me dies inside because. Uh, I don't know. It like knowing that my parents have that point of view is really um heartbreaking
2: to me. It's just interesting like I think once you cast a vote for Trump you've become entirely immune to irony. <laughs> it, it just it just it's just like <laughs> these really weird like True. like are you just insanely immune to iron? like you guys don't see this and like you know obviously like totally. through my own echo chamber I don't follow anybody that's right wing and I'll check fox news and i'm you know here it's it's kind of a pain in the ass because you get you get american broadcasts filtered through the canadian system so we're we're all fairly overwhelmingly looking for the positives here all like the the liberal liberal media outlets Mm -hmm. but i want to see what you know fox said is fox reporting an overwhelming win like what is going on and so like yeah you just you see these like these instagram stories and these tweets about like you know, the Republicans are doing this and then, but this is the thing. Like Trump doesn't wear a mask, then he gets COVID and then he gets free healthcare. Like, obviously they don't see the irony. Like there's no point of posting it on Instagram because one, right. only liberals are going to see that. And two, they're right. immune to irony. It is really bizarre. I think, you know, psychologists should should definitely research this for the next 150 years and right. just see what happens with like right wing and irony. And <laughs> and how that that relation plays out, because it's it's really, really interesting.
1: It's super interesting. And speaking of irony, I kind of feel like even if you took the media away, the Trumpers kind of do it to themselves. Like, I think I saw two videos side-by-side yesterday um, of some Trumpers at a rally, like one was chanting, no more votes, or like no more counts, or stop counting, and the other ones like keep on counting. It's like <laughs> which one do you want? Like you can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't just whatever
2: gets them in the wind.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like you can't just be like no, 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 no keep counting because those states matter. But then yeah, right. Stop counting the states that you know Biden's ahead. Like what?
2: Yeah, no. Like if we if we keep testing for COVID we're going to get more positive results for COVID. So we should stop testing. And it's like, of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think maybe this is just like, maybe like the, uh. like the, the minute, the minister or whoever, the secretary of education should just really be looking at this and be like, man, I suck at my job. <laughs> like we need to sort this out as soon as possible because yeah, one teach politics, money management and, and irony. In in our our schools, in our public schools, because. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't believe
0: science if it was taught to them, because it is. And they still don't, they still don't believe it. That's true.
1: They don't believe math either, so I don't know. I mean, it's like, I'm not really sure what they believe.
0: Yeah, definitely nothing academic. Yeah, and that's been the hardest thing, I think, having discussions with my family in particular is because, you know, the the problem is that we can't agree on a source of information. So, you know, if I come to my parents and say, you know, there is this study that was done by MIT that the climate is falling apart and, you know, our environment is just becoming useless, it's they would view that source of information as misguided and totally faulty. And then Mm -hmm. my, you know, I would take the email that my mom got from a friend and say like, I know you think this person's a nice person and trustworthy, but they're not a scientist, you know? So we, the fact that we can't find this common ground, I think that's the hard part. You know, they use the Bible and their emails from their friends and poor journalism, and then I would say that it's good journalism and science and a- academics that kind of form my opinion. That's where I think we all need to kind of figure out a way to convince them that, that uh, science is relevant and, and and that, you know, religion doesn't answer those types of questions.
1: Do your parents, um, how do they feel about the coronavirus?
0: I th- I can't tell. Because they know, I mean, I've had some pretty uh, intense conversations, to say the least, with my parents about politics. And so I think oftentimes they tell me what I want to hear. You know, they kind of are going about their lives as if it was, as if nothing happened, as far as I can tell. But then they, they sprinkle in the fact that they were wearing a mask doing it, but I'm pretty sure they weren't. You know, so it's like, it's hard to say, like, my, my dad thinks it was an overreaction the way that we shut down the, Mm. you know, the economy. And so that leads me to believe that, you know, just based on the way that he's continued to live his life that,
3: Mm.
0: you know, he basically does thinks it's like a bad flu. Honestly, I can't get too much of a straight answer from him because one, I know people in our neighborhood here in Brooklyn that have died from the coronavirus so I think he recognizes that it would be insensitive to say that it's a hoax outright to me but
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know as but as far as the people in their lives, I mean I don't think that they've had too much tragedy in that department. If anything, it was like older people that passed away and they would just chalk it up to like they were old look you know, they would have died from the flu or pneumonia anyway. And I was like, no, they probably wouldn't because anyway, it's just like, you know, and then you kind of get into that argument of like, there's 230,000 people that have died already. And then they would say that that number is inflated. You know, it's just like, again, you can't find the right source. You know, suppose the CDC is not a legitimate
2: resource for them, which is fucking crazy.
1: Mm (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It,
2: it's hard to argue about global warming when you're under two feet of snow in less than twenty four hours in Edmonton as well. So
1: yeah. Oh yeah, totally.
2: It's one of those things. Like like it's whatever lens you're looking at. You know what I mean? It's like same with flat earthers. The issue is is that everything is so democratized in terms of where you gather information, where you can also share your Opinion on that information as well. You know what I mean? Like we all have access to a library, but how many people go to a library? And you know, we have access to the internet and Google. And they're obviously, you know, recognized people that are publishing papers. And then there's also, you know, bullshit like a like a somebody who's a flat earther with how many million followers has the exact same platform and voice as like Neil deGrasse Tyson. You know, that's the one issue with democracy and freedom. Of speech and I mean this is these are these are you know loaded words that are coming out of my mouth where it's like I don't think people are entitled to their own opinion yeah um, especially because if it's harmful like you know the KKK is just saying their opinion on how they feel about people of color and it's just like but that's incorrect like you're incorrect you're wrong so you don't get your opinion opinions are formed based off of well like experiences and and factual interactions in my in my opinion,
1: and like good rhetoric, and yeah. yeah,
2: the other night, um, my dad and I watched the Black Klansman, which is such a good movie.
0: I haven't seen it yet.
1: Me neither. Oh,
2: it's so. Oh my God, it's so good. I think what is it? It's a Spike Lee joint, and it's it's a true story of this guy in the 1970s. He was a, a police officer and uh, a black police officer, and he infiltrated the KKK just through telephone calls with David Duke, the Grand Wizard at the time. And he had one of the other guys from his precinct go down, a white guy, and do these things. And they actually gave him a membership card to the KKK. And at the end of it is really poignant because it just showed all of the BLM protests and all that type of stuff. And what happened in Charlottesville, where that woman was killed through the, you know, the guy drove into her. And at the end of it, it was just like, you know, I started tearing up because I'm seeing this again and again and it's just like
1: you're giving me goosebumps just like
2: yeah and then my dad shuts it off and he's like i don't get white people like why do they hate people just based on the color of their skin i was like dude i have no idea man i
3: was
2: like go ask your wife she's upstairs i mean she's not one of them but like you know maybe she has some insight
0: but it's embarrassing it's like it's you know you you (laughs) look at these charts that show you know what America would look like uh, if, you know, this demographic voted only or this demographic voted only and it's like, all red if it's just white men. And it's like, Oh, God, I mean, I don't I saw
1: that. I saw that.
0: I don't blame people for the way they feel about just people that look like me. And uh, yeah, it's embarrassing. It's terrible.
1: Well, you know, there's like a lot of um, racism in the Asian communities too, Mm -hmm. Asian American communities. It's like, there's this complex, it's like the model minority complex of being an immigrant and moving to the US and kind of having to, or kind of feeling like you have to like mute yourself to fit in with the majority, which is the white people of, of the country. And... One of the very first things that you kind of see is that black people are treated differently than yes. white people. And so it's like this learned behavior where, mm. you know, you kind of just like pick up on, all right, well, everything is like conditioned to be this way. So we'll adapt that in order to just fit in also yeah. with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also um a really dangerous thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially in the Filipino community too. Like one of the things you would I would hear, you know, elders telling cousins is that you can't play outside because you'll get too dark.
3: Mm.
2: And then therefore if you're too dark, you're just
3: mm-hmm.
2: unappealing, <laughs> generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you'll never get a boyfriend. And no, you're never gonna get the boyfriend if you go outside, you're too dark. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just like man maybe some dudes like dark chicks man <laughs> Like <laughs> yeah like like dark, dark chicks they're beautiful <laughs>
1: in vietnam and like other asian countries it's like you gotta keep your i mean and they will market beauty products to make your skin more uh white and milky like milky lotion and
2: yeah, yeah whiteners yeah
1: it is a sign of beauty and it's a sign of wealth and If you are dark, that signifies that your family isn't doing that great and you have to be a field worker or, you know, whatever BS that they link that to. But yeah, it's like a very, very real issue across the board. I I was in Morocco. Yeah, and that's, that's West Africa. Yeah. And even the darker Africans were treated differently than Moroccans it's it's Mm -hmm. like a total like fucked up thing all around the world I don't think it's it's just like black and white it's like the darker your skin you're treated differently
2: yeah it was uh when I first moved to New York City I worked alongside a like six foot six black dude and we were over at Bergdorf Goodman because I worked for Raymond at the time and he was like all right we got to get back to the office like do you mind hailing a cab I was like dude I am five foot ten on a good day and I also slouch so like they're not gonna see me like your arm your arm is like nine and a half feet. like they're going to see you and he's like Man, they don't pick up black dudes in this end of town and I was like oh I thought that was like in 1980 gangster movies only like that's a real thing in 2014, 13. He's like, yeah, man. I was like, Oh, and then like, he went on and told me other stories when he first moved to New York and, you know, right out of college. And the only place he could kind of get was in the projects close to like, um, Fort green, kind of downtown Brooklyn ish. And he's like, man, uh, first week there, I was like stopped by police officers and, you know, frisked and everything like that without question. And, you know, like he, and I was like, what, what, what for? Like, what were you doing? And he was just like, nothing. And I matched a description.
0: Gosh. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and You're like, you're like, wow. You know, it's like, it's again, it's one of those things that like, I was completely ignorant by and, you know, growing up here, my oldest brother's nearly 10 years, my senior. And we had a huge, in like the late nineties, early two thousands, there was quite a few like Asian gangs. They called it and my brothers looked so much more asian than me i guess i just filtered down the line of three boys and <laughs> <laughs> my mom overpowered my dad's genetics but all of their friends in high school were either filipino or vietnamese or whatever the case was and and he would tell me like we wouldn't be able to get into bars they would say no man you guys are asian gangsters and like this is and this and i was just like man like it's a weird form of racism mm-hmm. and so again like you kind of said it's it's really and and in the like in the asian community it's just different you know mm-hmm. you're chinese i'm chinese but you're slightly darker like yeah <laughs> yeah and in the philippines it's like different provinces like oh what province are you from
1: oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah same with vietnam it's like are, you're from what city and yeah it's it's funny because like growing up in texas I had my fair share of, like, racist exposures and things that came at me. And I, I lived in Austin, so I, I feel like I was very sheltered with it being basically homogenous and not very diverse. But every now and then, you know, I'll get – I got a lot of where are you from, where are you really from, those kind of comments. There was this one man. I worked in the service industry, and he was, like, an older – old money, white dude, yeah. probably from Dallas, owned a ranch, whatever. He's like, oh, your English is so good. And I was like, what? So I like, I said back to him, I was like, yeah, so is yours. <laughs>
3: like, like what Yeah. Is- yeah.
1: <laughs> and then he like, uh, he just kept going on about it. And it wasn't until like I moved out of Texas and lived in New York that I was exposed to so much diversity and so much just like ethnicity, you know, like being on the train, you can just be on a train with a bunch of strangers and you can tell that people are just from all over their roots, Yeah, which is like really freaking
0: cool. Is that what prompted your move to New York? Was that like desire to experience and live in in that type of diversity or was it job related or kind of what brought you here?
1: Um, honestly, sure. I could have probably lived in Austin the rest of my life and been fine. Okay. <laughs> it's like never, never land, you know, like you just, you, it's just so easy to be there. And I, I probably could have just done it forever, but I was drawn to New York because I, that was kind of when I started getting into food styling and there isn't there was not that much work in that industry when i mm-hmm. was living there and so i had this desire to kind of like follow that journey to see where it would take me and conveniently i met justin he was living in new york at the time and we did we did a long distance thing for a year
2: justin's your partner
1: justin's my partner um so i would come up to new york every other month or so and just being here really made me feel like I needed to leave Austin. Yeah, yeah. So I did it. Yeah, and yesterday was my fifth year anniversary here.
2: Hey-oh! nice.
1: Yeah, I know. It's like what a great anniversary celebration was. This like victory, you know.
2: We gotta we gotta add a sound bite of a of a ham horn, like point 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 point. Like you know, we need. <laughs>
1: I love that sound.
2: (laughs) We need the celebratory. Everybody does. Like
1: Yep. (laughs) You know. So good.
2: It's so good. You know what it means. Like, (laughs) oh, something sick just happened. Um, Yeah. yeah, It's universal. (laughs) So how how does somebody dive into the food styling where you just at a restaurant and be like, man, this is fucking ugly and started moving stuff around. Like,
1: so, so, okay. I actually had no idea that that was like a job Yeah. Um, at all. I mean, this was also before people got like heavily interested in food and like there's, was, right. there wasn't this like explosion of food media mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, And this was, I guess also, very early days of Instagram but I my background's in graphic design and my best friend and I had a catering company in Austin at the time so I was doing what I guess is food styling and the photography kind of just for our marketing
0: got it Uh and
1: then a friend of of mine was working for a creative agency and she's like Do you want to come help on this shoot you know we need a food stylist and you have a good eye so you know this is what we need um it was for a coffee brand and i just needed to like make a coffee drink over ice look nice she's like yeah you know just keep in them keep in mind that it's gonna be under like camera lights and you might want to get some fake eyes i was like What fake ice? Like what how do I even do that? So I Googled it. (laughs) I Googled it and I watched this YouTube video. Yes. And I went to Hobby Lobby, which is like our version of Michael's, you know, from the South. Um and I bought a bunch of acrylic beads and I melted them down into these like cubes for like fake ice. I know the whole I I melted it for like hours. How? The entire just I okay, so like I built a foil, uh, what is it called? Like a like a mold? Like a mold? Yeah. They're, yeah. And then I like filled them up with beads and I melted them down. And the whole house just smelled like a chemical plant yeah. <laughs> oh. for the next couple of days. And I thought it was so cool. And we did the shoot and I was hooked. I was like, whoa, this is so fun. I feel like my world's merged, yeah. you know? yeah. Just like this art side of things, and then also the idea of getting to play with food all day was really exciting. And yeah, we did the shoot, and the client seemed to love it, and I was hooked. Uh, looking back, I looked at some of the photos the other day. I was like cleaning out my Dropbox. Those ice cubes are so bad. <laughs> They're so bad. They look like you just took square jewelry beads and threw them in the glass. <laughs> They're like <laughs> filled with tiny bubbles. I mean, imagine if you just yeah, like like it was so
3: freaking fake.
1: <laughs> and I can't believe that it I got away with it, but. <laughs> um yeah, that was like my Pinterest fail, but in a success story. I
3: think that.
0: that's the case with most um early endeavors in into any career. It's like you look back at the early stages and you're like, Ooh, yeah. That could have been a lot better. But oh. yeah, it it's that's how you get to where you're at now The you're the photos that I see on your Instagram are absolutely beautiful. Yes, thank
1: you. I've come I've definitely have come like a long way. And also, you know, like Austin didn't have that kind of um, I was there was no exposure for that at the time. Like there was a lot of packaging work Whole Foods is based in Austin. So there was a little bit of work for that. But all the editorial stuff is here. Um, Yeah, so I just had a lot more resources and I was able to work under some really amazing food stylists when I first got here that really, really paved the way for me and taught me a lot of what I know now. You know, just really hands-on apprentice things that YouTube didn't offer. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So I owe owe a lot of... Success to um, the people that I've had the honor to work with
0: is learning that stuff more on the on the side of how to create the prop itself, or is it more figuring out how to create the right uh, lighting, or are do you the photographers doing the lighting, or how does that work?
1: Yeah. So, like, food styling is a completely separate thing from props from okay. photography. I think uh, with the, with, with the um, growth of the industry, there are a lot of, like, packaged people who will do all of it. Got it. Which I think is great for, you know, your blog but the industry itself is very small. And sometimes when you take a job where you say yes to everything, you kind of undercut people that are specialized Mm. in each of those categories in the industry. Cause usually you'll probably take it for a lower Mm. rate and (laughs) my, (laughs) my phone's going off, but um, yeah, you'll take it for a lower rate and the client's, Sometimes they don't know, but it's like, those are three separate jobs, you know? And so and so I think it's important to, these are things you learn from assisting. Sure. And I think that it is so important to put in that time to understand the etiquette of the industry mm. and how the industry works. Um, and the other thing is, once you are really fully in it, it's so hard to give 100% to each of those categories. If you're doing all of them. Right. Mm. like I can't, if I'm doing food and the props and the photography, I'm going to overlook something.
3: Sure. Right. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's just so great to, you know, be able to focus on the one thing that I specialize in and have someone else, you know, lay out the, the, arrangement for me just to put the food on
0: I see
2: so
1: I don't have to like think about that yeah
2: for our six listeners (laughs) at home (laughs) where where can they see your work because I was lucky enough to to creep you on Instagram and it's incredibly impressive and I think people who aren't aware of food styling will look through food magazines and like you said Pinterest and all these different things and just be like oh okay like this is this and then when you like step back and then think about like, Oh, somebody put this together then you just see like a different layer of creativity and skill. And then it just like, really like a light bulb goes off and you just look at this in a whole different level. And you're like, Holy shit, this is mental. And you know, like look at the, the, the little bit of that thing that's cut that way. That's nice. And then, you know what I mean? So where can people, you know, for people who aren't aware of food stylists, where can people see what, what the best looks like?
1: Well, I'm glad. I'm so happy that you're enchanted by (laughs) the food photography. For me, I think it's because I know the smoke and mirrors. Right. I can't look at food photography the same way. Of course. Like, Like everyone who isn't in the industry around me gets so annoyed because we'll just, drive by something or we'll watch a commercial on TV and I can't help but to like break it all down, you know, just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, they probably spent 12 hours on this one shot and it's two seconds long or, you know, whatever. Oh yeah. Two, I have a cookbook that just came out, not my personal, but a cookbook to, uh, that I was fortunate enough to work on. It's the Xi'an Famous Food oh, cookbook yeah. that just came out. Sick. And I have another one coming out next year. It's Chrissy Teigen's mom's cookbook. It's a Thai cookbook.
3: Whoa. (laughs) Amazing.
1: It's so good. We tested, or like we shot all the recipe and ate all of it. It was awesome. So
0: did you get serenaded by John Legend as you were working on the
3: cookbook?
1: (laughs) I kind of did. Yeah. Whoa. he He would just, He was, like, in the kitchen making a a cheesecake or something. But he would just, like, out of nowhere just start singing and the whole room would just be, like, kind of quiet. And it's surreal to me.
3: Yeah. What?
1: Oh, okay. John Legend's, like, singing to probably his cheesecake, but I'm going to pretend that it's Timmy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's amazing.
2: Is is like Chrissy over it? Like, she like hey, can you just shut the, put on Cardi B or something, John? I'm tired of those dumb love songs. Oh
1: my God. No, they, they are like so obsessed with each other. Yeah. It's super cute.
0: I can imagine. They kind of seem that way.
1: Yeah, they're super – and their kids are super cute too. Yeah. Um, but aside from those two books, I do um, a handful of publication, editorial stuff. Wall Street Journal Off-Duty um, is one of them. And, yeah, have, like some Food Network stuff just here and there. And then some ad ad stuff like packaging. and Cool. So I'm kind of all over the place. I guess like the one category that I would love to get into more that I – don't feel like I have done a lot of is motion, like commercials and stuff like that, but it's kind of a different beast.
0: I'm sure.
2: There was this commercial in Canada shit, maybe about a decade ago, and it was like to advertise these soups, like chunky soups um, or like some flavorful soups, and it literally exploded from these bowls, and it looked like projectile vomit because it was like... (laughs) it was like butternut squash soup with with like chunks of stuff in it and then so i mean the motion thing is cool but i think pick your poison yeah, yeah.
1: the motion thing is very it can be very theatrical yeah. and there's a part of me so there are a couple of photographers here and they're they're like they're more like dp or engineers in the sense mm-hmm. like they all started out as A still life photographer but so they work with robots what um yeah there are these robots with like probes and things that that's how they're able to do all those you know fantastical firework it's like
0: pyrotechnics for food
1: yeah for sure and and there there are food stylists that do work on that because you know like you do have to place everything in frame but at the end of the day it's like the robots are the ones right. throwing the soup in the air. So part of me is like, am I just going to get replaced by robots eventually? You know, like, like I don't want to throw the soup. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But I also don't want to clean it up. So, yeah. you know, robot robot gets the, the spotlight, yet I still have to clean up.
2: The Maybe soup. that will be one of Joe Biden's... Uh... You know, plans to not replace uh, food stylists from by robots.
1: Yes, please, Biden.
2: You know, we're gonna add more human jobs in food styling.
1: I'm definitely gonna try to tweet that to him and you know <laughs> manifest it.
2: You definitely should. So, so tell us a little bit about
0: also your your you 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 told me you recently got into running. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I I your,
0: your times
2: do not suggest that. Wait, we're we're 40 we're we're 45 minutes in on a running podcast.
0: <laughs> I can edit this to the front. That's what we'll do. We'll just like kind of flip-flop it. No, let it go. Let it go. I think
1: this is a special edition. It's the the victory uh edition, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Definitely more important conversations to be had before this part. But okay, anyway, sorry I interrupted you, Tina. Um,
1: I I casually ran before COVID. Um, every time I have this this thing I like to do, I take the first flight out when I fly home to Texas. I'll take like like the 7 a.m. flight, get in around 10, 11, and then I go straight to the lake, Lady Bird Lake, and then I'll do like a quick 5K. And I was visiting Texas, I mean, every like three or four months out of the year. Um, And I never really ran while I was in New York. So that was kind of like my coming home uh, ritual. And during quarantine, I really needed some kind of outlet that like forced me to leave the house. And, you know, like Justin and I were, where we live in such a small apartment. It's like we kind of just need that mental space. Um a friend of mine was running with this uh with this coach in Austin. So she put me in touch with her. So I signed up to kind of train and then I set I decided that I would set a goal and that would to be to train for a marathon in 2021.
2: Nice. Oh, yeah. sweet.
1: So I it's I feel like I need that accountability partner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And even though she's like basically a virtual coach, like she'll give me a running schedule and then I do it. And then she'll like give me feedback and stuff like that. I feel like just having that accountability of it being on the calendar really helps because yeah. mm-hmm. there is there. And, and during quarantine, when I had all the time in the world and the weather was so nice that was super easy to do. But then work started picking up and the weather has been like off and on. Yeah. Lots of rainy days last month.
3: Yeah.
1: But having that as a to-do thing on my calendar, there were days when I was so dead tired after work. I just like forced myself to do it. And it always feels good. Yeah. It always feels great. Yeah. But I, I, I do feel like had i not have my coach i don't know that i would have this relationship with running for as long as i do
0: sure yeah you're i mean your times don't allude to the fact that you kind of just started taking it serious those are really fast like your, your run yesterday was quick <laughs> it was very quick
1: it was it was like a victory i mean it was a victory run i went um a different route which i also think really helps me sure because usually i'll do I do like speed run or speed intervals Wednesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then Saturdays are my long runs. Mm -hmm. And I usually do two different routes. Either I'll do like the Central Park Loop. Yeah. Or I'll run from Harlem all the way down to Battery Park and like a little bit up. Wow. So that's loosely like 12, 13 miles. Um, And it's just fun because you kind of – start to know your markers yeah Yeah. like okay that's like my my halfway point or whatever right and then I use Strava so it'll tell you these like stretch of uh of of yeah like like markers where you beat your last time and such like that so it's like a nice thing to go back and reflect on um but yesterday part of what is that is that West side highway. Yeah. So part of it was closed off. So I had to go through Riverside park and I think it was really nice to not have that marker. Sure. Like for once that change, it was like, Oh, I'm, I don't get obsessed with the timing and like,
3: yeah.
1: you know, yeah. and, but, but also yesterday, yesterday was really, really special though. Like everyone was out everyone <laughs> yeah. was like cheering And I kind of felt like they are cheering for me, so (laughs) they run a little bit faster.
0: Of course.
1: But yeah, yesterday was a personal PR for me.
0: So good.
1: So that was cool.
0: Yeah. You killed it. Amazing to do that on a training run. You'll find whenever you get all those people around you in the marathon, it'll be cake for you.
1: I've never done a real race. Like with well, that's not that's a lie too. I've done the I've done the Turkey trot in Texas, (laughs) which is, it was more of a jog at the time. But um, yeah, it's, I did a, I did the Brooklyn half. Yeah. Or Staten Island half, virtual. Nice. And that felt a little anticlimactic. I mean, it felt like it was just another training day.
2: Sure.
3: Right.
1: Yeah, but I, I think I also, like if I know that a race is coming, I get really stressed out. So I don't know if it actually is good or bad. Yeah. I feel like I don't perform as well, but
0: Well, that was a really great great run. I was like, damn, that's like so quick. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> Thank you. That was super fun. And I'm paying for it today, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <sure>. and yesterday. <laughs> like I feel like I like couldn't walk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's understandable. Uh, do you run with or without headphones?
1: I run with headphones. Yeah, I run with um, AirPods.
2: Oh, interesting.
0: Okay, and what do you what are you listening to when you're doing it?
1: Uh, at the beginning of the training, I, I listened listen to a playlist called "For a Run." Um, they're just my favorite songs, like nothing too general, but I. Started to get into podcasts, ah, particularly mm-hmm. crime podcasts. Yeah.
2: So, so you just imagine yourself running from a mass murderer, <laughs> and that's why your times are so good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, those only are good for daytime runs because nighttime runs in Central Park listening to Crime (laughs) Podcast. I highly don't recommend it at all. Oh yeah. I was like really into um, this one. I really wanted to finish and I had a run last week that it also sucks that nighttime is 6 p.m. Right, yeah. You know, it's like, it's not even that dark, but it's like, or it's not even that late, but it's so dark. so dark. And then when you're inside Central Park, it's like darker (laughs) and, and colder. So, so, yeah, I really wanted to listen to it. And I was like, okay, it's like 6 p.m. I'm fine. There's people out. And I put it on and I was like, oh, this is like really, really creepy. <laughs> I don't know. I, I need to change it. So lately I've been listening to a lot of – David Chang has a funny food podcast that I really like. And he just – they just like go off on some random food items. And I think I – I, I think I'm just like a neurotic person when it comes to timing. So like if like when I run on a treadmill, which I absolutely hate, I have to cover the whole thing and not look at the numbers at all.
2: Oh really? That's a good idea.
1: Otherwise, I get too obsessed or like I'll I'll psych myself out and think that time mm. is not moving at all and I'm not going anywhere. So I have to cover it. So I don't look at anything.
2: That's the worst thing for me, at least on treadmills, because you're actually not going anywhere. So
1: You're actually not, yeah. So
2: time stands still, and you're like, man, I'm (sighs) fucking crushing this shit right now. And you look, and your pace is like 934, and you've gone like six feet. You're like, what is going on? (laughs) Why is my BPM 190?
1: I know.
2: Like, I don't understand. Like, I'm ready to... Duke.
1: I hate it. I hate yeah. it. It's I call it the dreadmill. <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's awful. And yeah, and then like with the music, sometimes I have to switch it up. Um, especially when I am listening to that that one particular for a run playlist. Because I already know this song is four minutes and thirty-six seconds. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh so like with the podcast, especially one that there's a like a story like a narrative that is an ongoing story. You kind of get lost in that yeah. and then before you know it like I all know that okay this podcast is an hour and 30 minutes long. So that will be like, you know, roughly so and so miles. But you don't really know where that time frame is when you're listening to the podcast.
2: What what kind of gear do you run in? Do you have a favorite shoe? Is there a certain type of like shirt that you really love that, uh, you know, I don't know. What, what do you run in?
1: I was running in fly knits hmm. and then I got Pegasus Yeah, and it felt it just like the switch up felt like I was like running on a cloud. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's insane. Just like the, the absorption and just having that extra like padding was so nice. I don't really know much about running shoes actually, but I took advice from my coach and got a half size larger. Mm, right. And that was so comfortable. Yeah. Um yeah, that was awesome. What else? I man, honestly, I prefer to like not wear clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not not like naked running, <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> but like I love just like running in a sports bra and like Yeah. Like biker shorts or like running shorts, yeah. Not having that extra like attachment feels feels like I don't know. It makes me feel psychologically faster, yeah. Or just not having um, any extra things
2: because because I'm I'm chubby. If I don't run in a shirt, I would have to run in a sports bra.
1: Yeah, don't do it. I
2: think I think just the the movement. And the swaying of the excess weight I carry, uh, I think would really slow. I need to be com- compressed.
1: Compressed. Yeah. I, I've i been having um, a hard time transitioning to this weather shift mm. because it hasn't quite been that cold, but we've had cold days, but I, I think I overheat really quickly too. Mm. So I've been using this, this website called like dress my run and you plug in all your info like where your location is and if you run hot or cold and it helps you layer
2: whoa whoa that's amazing never heard of that one
1: yeah or like the rule of thumb i think is just whatever temperature it is outside like add or take away like 10 degrees and dress for that
2: okay right
1: so if it's like 50 dress like you like it's in the sixties or I'm sorry, add 10 degrees. Gotcha. Mm. And then that's like a comfortable thing. But if I I do layer, like I'll wear like a dry fit tank over like a, I guess I'm like a Nike person. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's just easy, you know?
2: Yeah. It's our, it's our second podcast in a row that people, you know, we we've all said that, you know, we enjoy, we enjoy Pegasus. So yeah, Yeah.
0: that's, that's my that's my shoe too. I love that shoe.
2: Yeah.
1: I love it. I love it. I do want some I do want a different pair just so I can like switch. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like you know the other thing is I think socks are very important and I'm still trying to find which one I'm comfortable with. Hmm. Like at the beginning I was buying a lot of like nice padded cushion ones, but then it makes my shoe too tight. Yeah. I kind of like, like the, like, they make these ones that are apparently that helps with blisters. Hmm. They're, they're just a little thinner, and I kind of like those.
0: The thinner ones are always better for me, too. I used to actually run with, with no socks. Damn.
1: Whoa. How many black toes do you have?
0: Yeah. I have, like, I have four.
1: You have four black toes. Mm-hmm. I got my first one and it felt kind of cool <laughs> yeah. until the nail started falling off. And I was yep. like, not cool.
0: It's it, it's like the, the most insecure part of my body. I just, I can't even, I go, I don't, I wear like harachas when I go to the beach. Like everyone's like, why doesn't he take off his shoes?
1: You should just paint them all black.
0: Yeah, I should. That's
2: true. You
1: know, just like really, really embrace it. Goff it up. I have a running question. Do you guys run with the water bottle or like how do you feel about a water bottle
0: i don't i don't
1: i run with like a little one like it's like an eight ounce thing
0: yeah
1: and it's called like a like a quick shot or whatever and it's nice because i'll just get it basically just like coats my mouth yeah (laughs) it helps with you know when when i'm like breathing too much or whatever but yeah, like I've had it for I guess like five months, but it's like falling apart. So hmm. I'm kind of searching for a, something that I also don't want anything bulky. Like I see all these people with like camel packs when they're running. I'm like, yeah, I know what. There's water fountains everywhere. You can t- you can fill. You're running through Central Park. It's true. Like, you don't need all that. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, I wonder if it's just a thing that has to be frequently replaced or if there is one that is just better.
0: I'll ask my friends. Stephanie, you do the same. We'll like find out the best one and text you.
1: Okay. (laughs) Yeah, let me know. Let me know. How do you do you do you guys like eat immediately after your runs? No. No. I can't.
0: I do a smoothie.
1: You do a smoothie. You know what my favorite thing for recovery replenishment is? What? a really cold
2: beer yeah it's great for you
1: it's like my favorite (laughs) because I don't I don't think that I can eat anything solid but you get all the calories and just the the thirst quenching thing from a cold beer I never drank beer before I started running
2: oh wow it's
1: so crazy and now I look forward to it it's super fun
0: (laughs) this is terrible but i i the same goes for smoking a cigarette after you run <laughs> i know that sounds so bad but it really is amazing it's like the best cigarette ever
1: well the irony of that is like i there was so much stress during the initial lockdown the beginning of quarantine and i would i would just sit. we have like a tiny patio and that was that was like my my safe space i would FaceTime friends in Texas and we would just like chain smoke
0: and I'm like,
1: I got to get off the phone. I have to do a run. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it is funny how, how it, you know, you open up the lungs. (laughs) It's just, it helps. I don't know. And too much of anything's bad for you. So you might
2: as well balance it out with a cigarette.
1: Yeah, it's, it's all about balance.
2: <laughs> there, there you go. I mean, even even before I started running, I wouldn't be able to really smoke much weed and or anything. I would just hack up lung because I'm pretty asthmatic. And now, you know, running and stuff like that and, and going these hikes have been great because now I can just smoke a lot more. It's... <laughs> been really beneficial
1: we're running just to have the lifestyle that we want outside of
2: yeah exactly (laughs) and the older we get
0: the more important it is to be able to
1: to balance it out.
0: yeah to balance it out
2: tomorrow's my birthday oh shit
1: (gasps) happy early birthday
2: happy birthday well we need another ham
0: It's my last year in my 30s starting tomorrow, y'all. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, I'll be over a hill.
1: Do you have any plans?
0: Not really. I'm a pretty low-key birthday guy. I'm also a hypochondriac, so I basically haven't done much eating out or delivery. Mm-hmm. I'll only kind of cooking at home. If only my food tasted or looked as good as the food on your instagram that would be amazing but it's not it's very terrible but tomorrow treating myself to uh i think we're gonna do birds of a feather
1: nice nice
0: that chinese spot that's so so good
1: so good i think tomorrow is is supposed to be also another gorgeous weather day
0: yeah i think we'll park and chinese food at night
1: the beach was real so i went to the beach today
0: and you've been getting into surfing right according to Instagram
1: yeah so I've been that was another quarantine thing I like really got into like I kind of dabbled in it before but yeah quarantine was like this is the only uncrowded safe place yeah. that I felt you know and, and it was nice to be in the ocean um but yeah I went today it was so nice out the water was a little cold but just like it was 70 outside so you can totally uh, just lay out
0: so crazy right now i'm so psyched i mean i i don't mind how do you feel being a texan in new york with the cold weather i love it personally i've enjoyed the four seasons and the cold weather but i was are you, do you miss the the heat the the weather in texas
1: i do not miss the weather in texas <laughs> because I mean New York New York summer and New York heat is equally painful. Yeah. But I felt like it wasn't that hot this year.
0: No. I felt it was awesome.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. Working in that weather in the train was awful.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and I feel like I am in better spirits when it's cold out. Yeah, like I feel like I have like a perma frown when it's too hot. Same. you know. And then you can only take off so much, but you can like yeah layer and layer on.
2: Yeah, everything on my body touches it itself, so it's never a good. I'm a walking Petri dish.
1: I know. I just feel like, okay, I'm taking a shower and I go outside and I like immediately feel like I need to take a shower again. Yeah. So I love the heat if I'm like at the ocean where I don't have to wear clothes. Yeah. But right. if you're expecting me to be presentable in a good mood in the heat, just forget about it. <laughs> yeah. And like everyone touching each other on oh. the train
3: Yeah. and
1: the, my height, I haven't, to be fair, like I haven't been on the train much since <laughs> yeah. uh, the pandemic but in summers past my height is the perfect level of like armpit. where the armpit is on the train so like i'm getting <laughs> the full whiff of that you know uh. and it's just like, it's just too much. Yeah. Maybe I'll wear a mask forever.
0: I'm doing it. I'm, I'm considering it. I'm doing it. I didn't, I am I don't know. I normally, it's been helping with allergies, all kinds of shit for me.
1: Yeah. And like, I don't have to wear makeup anymore. It's just, it's a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except we might all have these like crazy tans. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah.
2: It's going to be a mask tan. My, my parents told me I've only, I'm have only i only attractive from the eyes up. So <laughs> it's been hugely beneficial for me. Um, do you wear the mask on your Tinder? <laughs> yeah. Like profile picture? <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I mean, unmasking somebody is like taking their top off now. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. You, I've seen so many unexpected mustaches. Oh, really? Yeah. Like people, I... I thought I knew, <laughs> and, then, and then I'll see them and they'll like take off their mask and like, you have a mustache? Like what?
0: Yeah. It's
1: like, it's just like the reveal. You know? It's like everyone has a mustache.
0: Yeah, right. Does Doesn't your partner rock a mustache
2: occasionally?
1: He also has a mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's the new pubic hair, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, well, say, I've seen way more mustaches than pubic hair, but
2: um, yeah, I mean, that's that's fair, they're more socially acceptable. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm kind of also over the mask because the more I work, the more I have to wear them, and yeah, working and cooking with a mask on is really
2: tough. Yeah, that's gotta be brutal.
1: Like, I feel like I'm kind of getting used to it, but at the end of the day, taking the mask off for me is like taking your bra off at the end of a long shift. You know, you're just like, <sighs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like us taking our jack jock straps off at the end of the day.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: my my double chin gets to hang loose <laughs> before we get some air, you know? It's exactly yeah. that. Otherwise, everything's tucked in nicely there.
0: <laughs> Speaking of cooking, mm-hmm. the, um is it M, M, how M-O-Y. do you?
1: M-O-Y, M-O-Y. O-Y? M O.
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm saying that right. M-O- Yeah. What does it's, that mean?
1: It's um it's it's an endearing way of saying like hey babe.
0: Oh okay in hey Vietnamese.
1: Yeah. It's like you, you it's like you say that to like get someone's attention. And you can use in a feminine or masculine way, but it's usually yeah, it's like an endearing way because you're you're saying it to someone your junior kind
0: of oh, okay okay yeah. i mean we have a lot of mutual friends back in austin i think mm-hmm. and i can't remember how i came across your instagram but it was through that i think and i remember okay. being like what what is this because it was so cool and i th- the food looked incredible but can you describe what what it is and kind of how you how you developed that idea, and and it's your friend, right? Who you do it with? Or
1: yeah, yeah. So, um, what it's I do it with my friend Andrea. She's a fellow Texan. Okay. We knew each other when we lived in Texas, but we kind of reconnected in New York. Um, she's also Vietnamese. Okay. And. You know, it's crazy how many different Vietnamese spots are opening up in New York right now, or just in the past year or so. Really? Yeah. Um, but at the time when we were throwing that idea around, it was we were just talking about like how much we miss Vietnamese food, and um, just how there was a lack of Vietnamese options that are not Chinese influenced because there's not a big Vietnamese community here or so we thought and so we're like okay let's do let's start doing like dinner parties but like in a style of a pop-up but we wanted to create more than more than just you know like a food we wanted to create an environment for each of the uh, each of the dinners that we had so each one of them have a theme of sorts and they're all based on like a memory or nostalgia of something that we've experienced in the past so like the first one we did was on lunar new year um two yeah. years ago now or yeah two years ago last year last year yeah last year um but we can we like we use our friends space in bushwick and we kind of like turned his entire place into this Lunar New Year kind of like romantic, fantastical world. And Andrea's boyfriend, her partner did all the graphic design for our menus and our site and the playlist. So everything is very much about the vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Equally the food, you know? Right. Yeah. And it
0: looked amazing. (laughs) I mean, I was so jealous.
1: It was super fun. It was like, Okay, I was working so much that I needed a passion project. And sure. and something that really meant a lot to me was my my heritage and like mm-hmm. my, my background. And I think being away from Texas, the longer I was away, the more I had that itch mm. to kind of want to dig deeper in that. Sure. Yeah. But we've had three last we had three last year we had one planned right before covid
0: oh. and
1: covid <laughs> hit And in our style we do family style so it was like all yeah, right yeah. definitely not yeah you can't do it. that mm-hmm.
0: yeah and does the um we i mean obviously like the we have frustrations with our families about like kind of the do you find that that's like kind of one way that you're able to connect mm-hmm. with your your family like or in particular is there anyone in particular in your family that you kind of like that's your thing like you
1: my mother i everything i know about vietnamese food is through my mother that's that's her love language like
0: Mm -hmm. so cool
1: she that's her way of saying of showing her love is by like feeding um you know and she like she lights up when she talks about vietnamese food or like if I call her and ask her like, Hey, how do I make this? That's like, she's so stoked on that. Yeah, that's so cool. So our second one um, we did uh, was on Mother's Day and we flew my mom and Andrea's mom up
3: to do the pop-up with us.
1: And they did like their favorite dishes. So it's like, am I present me'oi? Me'oi is like how you would bellow for your mother. Right. So Uh, it's kind of like a play on. So they came up, they did the pop-up with us for Mother's Day and it was super lovely. And it was it was cool to like kind of show her my world, you know, like this is a cool thing I'm doing. But at the same time she's like, Why are you doing this? Like (laughs) this is so much work. Why don't you just put it in a box and have them (laughs) give you five (laughs) dollars?
3: Yeah. yeah. you
1: to run a restaurant for right. one day, this is so, and it's like I didn't. We got a car uh, this year, but before when we did that, we didn't have a car, so it was just schlepping things oh, back man. and forth, oh. you know. And the event space, we didn't have access to it until the day of, so everything was like <laughs> six a.m. loaded, and we have two hours to cook for you know all these people, wow. and then we have to pack it all up and. she was just like what are you doing
0: (laughs) that's amazing
1: she's like you're doing this as a tribute to me but you're putting me to work work." right exactly (laughs)
2: it's like planning your own birthday party (laughs) yeah
0: yeah Yeah.
1: but i i i hope we can have um another one soon
0: i'll go i i was i planned i saw one of them i think i actually dm'd you about it and then something came up where i couldn't go and i was like so bummed because it looked so amazing i love too it almost feels like the way that you create the environment is an artistic expression as well not just i mean kind of the way that the food is obviously presented but but the space i just loved that it was it reminded me what's that the Layla.
1: oh Layla gohar
0: yes like And so maybe like food art.
1: Yeah, it's very experiential. um, And we like that. We like, like our friend's place in Bushwick. It's so unassuming on the outside. It looks like, I don't know, maybe your car will be fucked with if you park outside. (laughs) Kind of, you know. But then you go in and like we change all the light bulbs out to be red. And then you're just, it opens up into this, kind of made up worlds for the night yeah and we we just love being able to create that kind of environment that's just like a little bit unexpected you're kind of looking around like what the heck is going on why am i what is going on yeah yeah it's super fun it's super fun it's so it's so much work but it's so worthwhile in the end like we don't make any money from it. It's not It's not like a, it's it's purely a passion project. Yeah, sure. But it, it drives me to, you know, be able to do the daily grunt work that I do. I mean, I love food styling too, but a lot of the times I feel like I'm there to execute and there's not a lot of like creative. Um, yeah,
2: somebody else's vision.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this is super fun. And the other thing I was so overwhelmed with was how much like interest there was for Vietnamese food, Mm. but from a Vietnamese community that I had no idea existed in New York.
3: Sure. It
1: was insane. Just like all these young kids that were Vietnamese just being like, oh, my God, like, I haven't had that since, I don't know, when I was a baby. Yeah, so that was pretty cool.
2: Oh, I love that.
0: That's so cool. I feel like the same kind of enthusiasm would happen if somebody just finally opened a decent breakfast taco joint here.
1: Yes, yes. When I first moved here, I was like, how is there not a breakfast taco place?
0: I know. Texans would lose their shit. You'd be like, there'd be a line around the – around the statue of liberty
1: it's like why are you guys eating burritos with potato chunks in there like what and chorizo that's like a whole log like what is this like
0: breakfast
1: burrito thing
0: i know yeah. it's so weird oh, i am i don't know if it's just because that's a question i've always wondered and i'm just not sure if is it because the bagel is just too dominant like there's just no, like it. There's no room for anybody else in the city. <laughs> I can't figure it
2: out. We're just we're just a bunch of tacos in a bagel world, you know. I, know.
1: <laughs> I can't I can't get into bagels. I mean, like they're fun, but like I don't know how. Every job I go on, I mean, okay, not every job, but more often than not, they will just be like a platter of bagels. I'm like,
3: who yeah, who so is many.
1: eating? bagels like this you know
0: and most of the ones that those kinds of in those situations i've seen it in fashion shoots i'm sure you have too, Stefan. they're they're like they're not good big
1: yeah they're like they're like the dense one where you don't even get like the egg or the bacon on it you you have Butter.
0: (laughs) You might chip your tooth on the bread, honestly.
1: Yeah, and like (laughs) you know, probably you don't get a toaster, so you're just eating it with like like (laughs) a bunch of cream cheese and a platter of locks that's been sitting out for like six hours.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that scenario all too many times. It's rugged.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why the breakfast taco isn't a thing.
0: Even at really good taco places, it's not a thing. Like. Do, right. What, Los Tacos number one or whatever oh, yeah, in yeah, Chelsea. Yeah. They they don't have a breakfast oh. taco. I feel like they'd crush.
1: They have a breakfast burrito. Yeah,
0: which you're like you're making the eggs.
1: There is there uh, these people. What are they called? Um, jalapa jar, I hate the name, but I think they're they're Texas dudes. I can't say the name. I think they're like mixing jalapeno and jar together. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
3: i don't know, but they, I don't do, know
1: they do make breakfast tacos but it's like very it's very uh tex-mex
0: Got like in the
1: style of um i don't know what is it called like very
0: taco deli taco or
1: deli yeah okay uh-huh. which is okay
0: that's not bad no i mean
1: but but like why can't i just have a breakfast taco
0: yeah, you need a Veracruz yeah. to move up here and open You got to do it, Tina. You got to do I've, it.
1: I've thought of, that was like when I first moved to New York, that was like the one Texas thing that I missed so much. And Topo Chico, because at the time,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: you couldn't get Topo Chico anywhere. And now it's like Whole Foods has it. Um, yeah,
0: which is amazing.
1: It's awesome. <laughs> I was like ordering it by like the palette from Amazon. Yeah. And just having a stockpile of it. Uh, yeah. That was the, the first thing year i hear but, you yeah like the first year i was here i was like oh my god i just want a window we'll call it taco window <laughs> yeah it would just be open for breakfast and it would just be tacos and coffee and well that's
2: perfect it.
0: did 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 doing those pop-ups kind of spark within you this desire to open your own restaurant at some point or was it more like a don't want to do that because of this or, or maybe you're somewhere in the middle
1: with. Okay. Uh, yes. The, the short answer is yes. I do want to open my own place eventually. I don't think that it's a time. I feel like I want to ride this wave uh, of where I am in, in the food styling, my food styling career. And having worked in the service industry for so long and knowing people who have owned restaurants, and my family um, have a French bakery back in Texas. You give your life to the restaurant, like, day and night. And I don't think that I'm quite ready for that, unless I find great investors. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I, I went to Japan last year. I freaking fell in love, like obsessed with it.
0: I've never been. Me
1: neither. Oh, man, you have to go. I mean, everything about it, it's like everything just made sense. Everything made sense. So cool. But um, there's a, these stretch of tiny bars. You, like, fit six people at the counter, and then the, there's this little kitchen in the back. And, like, my dream would to be just to have a small place that I can just manage in a way that just made me happy, you know? And I would do Vietnamese food or whatever I feel like. Like, kind of like an all-day whatever-I-feel-like place. Love that. I Like, it's it's like, it, it it won't make any money, but it'll be at a point in my life where it would just be the thing that makes me happy, you know? Yeah. And that would be really cool. Love
0: that. I think that's what we're all all aiming for. Yeah. Wake up every day being happy as opposed to, like, having to do these things that you just don't really want to do
1: yeah yeah and a part of me um my parents have been i mean it's kind of like their way of trying to get me to come back to texas they're like just come back we'll help you open a restaurant right whatever you want it's like uh i don't know and it's not like i can afford to open a restaurant in austin anymore anyways (laughs) you know it's so expensive there
0: oh i know it's changed a lot. Like in our first episode, Stefan and I were talking quite a lot about gentrification and just the Austin's kind of the one place that I can kind of point to as like some pretty drastic changes yeah, I since I was, you. I mean, I I think that's my big fear for New York too, is that places that I love are going to close because of the pandemic and then shitty corporations and tech are going to buy up all of this real estate and make it, a rich person's playground. But then I also have a lot of hope that because rents are falling, there'll be this like resurgence of creativity and new ideas. And, and so I'm trying to stay on that opti- optimistic side because I can easily like, get, I don't know, find myself like dwelling on the negative. But yeah, I don't know. How have you felt about the change in Austin? Have you been back pretty recent?
1: Yeah, I went back in February. Every time I go back, I feel less connection to it. Same. Besides having friends and family there, I feel like the places that I grew up with are no longer the same if they are even there anymore. So in a way, I'm super grateful to have had my time in Austin when I had it, but it's not the same anymore. And and the thing is like, even the new businesses that are opening up they're they're not even being opened by Austinites. they're all like i don't know where all these
0: people are coming from
2: right
1: but it has no like soul to it you know it's like do we need another taco place
0: you know the thing that i think is happening and i just kind of realized it when you said it is i think that actually it wasn't so terrible when people from new york or LA were opening things in Austin. But now I think people from fucking Dallas and shitty parts of Houston (laughs) are opening places.
1: They're like, Oh, Austin is cool. It's like, yeah, but you're like 10 years late. (laughs) And so
0: it's like, they're the ones opening things now. It's like,
1: yeah, but at least like, when a California person comes or a New York person comes, they bring a little bit of of the city to Austin. But it's like, you're bringing Dallas stuff to Austin. Like we don't don't need like more Dallas.
2: Or Abilene or some shit like that. Dallas is the only city I've been to in Texas and I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Yeah. Houston's
1: cool though. I actually like Houston. I think Houston's like the most diverse city we have in Texas.
0: I actually was telling someone that I think it's cooler than Austin now.
1: Yeah, I think it's very cool. But I don't, I actually don't, it would be cool to be, from Houston, like growing up. I don't know if I would like move to Houston. (laughs) It's a hard city to live in. um, But so
0: spread out.
1: Yeah, very spread out. But yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I was really, really, really homesick the first couple. Well, I'd say probably up until last year, even. Wow. but um, I like can't picture myself living in Austin anymore. All my friends are moving outside of the city. They're in Lockhart, they're in Elgin No same. But that's kind of that's kind of the vibe now. It's like a slower just more open space.
0: It's like if I'm going to go that route, you know, which I get that. Like if you're in a big city, especially New York, I feel like when you leave New York, it's hard, you know, if you're not going you either go the best thing to do I think is either go to another country and another where it's different and like so different that it makes it hard to compare or you move to like a small rural place where it's also hard to compare but mid-major cities like austin they're they the reason why they were so great was because they were such great versions of themselves like austin's a great version of austin it's a real shitty version of a new york or a LA. Cause it's like trying to be something that it's not. And I think that's what you're referring to about like it losing its soul. It like used to be this like really quirky little hippie town in the middle of Texas that had, crazy music scene It was
1: Yeah, I liked it when it was like weird. And now it's not weird anymore.
0: No, but they still say that shit. And you're like,
1: I know it's like too normal every like everybody is this. Okay, that's not fair to say but there are way too many. I don't know, like flip flops with jorts and a Columbia shirt on you know, it's like, Come on, you guys like just be weird. Embrace that.
0: I know it's 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 not weird anymore.
1: And there's not enough like diversity in food there. Like it's so crazy. You have Mexican or Tex Mex and then you have everything that Larry opens.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh Stefan, there's a there's a restaurant tour in Austin, um, and he he kind of how many restaurants does he own now?
1: Oh my God I think like 12. Wow yeah and he's young he's like under forty. Wow and he does he does a great job with all of them they have like great marketing but it's still like a white guy who opened a Vietnamese restaurant right you know what I mean it's all it's like very like I I just wish that there were more mom and pops like small ones there's a part of me that feel like I need to do something about that but at the same time that would mean that I'd have to move back to Austin. <laughs>
0: yep. <laughs> and and again it's like I my friends who are moving to like Lockhart and you know Elgin and Wimberley I'm like you're s- surrounded by a bunch of racist people like <laughs> like it's not like I mean you and I get that upstate New York can have those little pockets too but not to the degree that
1: it, you don't have to go far at all. And, like, even, yeah, same with, like, Texas. Like, Lockhart isn't that far away. And I was talking to uh, my girlfriend last night. It's like, are you guys out celebrating? And she's like, no, we're in Lockhart. And, we're, you know, we wish that we were in Austin right now because the mood is, like, quiet and
0: well what was funny about Austin was that it looked like there were more Trump supporters at the Capitol than there were
1: dude I saw I saw the like the police was like standing with all the supremacists it's like come on
0: like with AKs and shit Yeah, I'll text you a photo Stefan it was insane it was like white supremacists like the proud boys you know they're standing with like Austin police department in front of city hall
2: there's a statement for you.
1: Oh, I was very hopeful for Texas too. It we started out real strong and then
2: should have stopped counting the ballots.
1: Should have stopped counting the ballots.
2: <laughs> Before it even started. He's up. Stop. Um I'm being motioned out cuz we have to go to my parents' house for dinner and it's uh it's 3:40 which is way way past dinner time here in Edmonton. <laughs> 340 yeah because we've got to get the sled dogs going it's just a whole production.
1: <laughs> you have to get there and milk the cows so you can churn the butter
2: well it's moose we're milking the moose but yeah yeah oh,
1: moose moose okay
2: yeah that's how it is but yeah i want to i'm apologies for cutting it short but i just want to thank you so much tina you've uh this is the first time i you know meeting you and uh it's been really really great you're super inspirational and i really want to head down back to new york and try your vietnamese food because
1: yes
2: you know when i lived in toronto there's always incredible vietnamese food edmonton has a
1: toronto has great
2: great and new york has just been like this weird vacuum of like you can get anything in new york
1: except for vietnamese food except for vietnamese food and you're like
2: weird (laughs) so yeah um yeah you've been incredible thanks for being our guest
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was fun.
0: Yeah, we can't wait to also hang out in person one day.
1: Let's do it.
0: All right.
2: See you guys. Bye. Good night. Thanks. Thanks. Bye.